Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Minyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right, the big news this week is the American Recovery Act. That's uh, Biden's $1.9 trillion, uh, what do you call it, a stimulus, rescue plan, uh, free money for everybody? Yeah, I think it's just a spending package. Yeah, that last one, because <laughs> it's not Keynesian stimulus, and it has very little to do with COVID. It's like par- partly Keynesian stimulus. It's, no, we're coming out of the slump. You don't slam on the gas when you're going downhill. In the sl- only downhill is uphill in the Keynesian. Mo- <laughs> it's not Keynesian <laughs> stimulus. I thought your best friend Larry Summers said there was still some kind of shortfall, and this was just you know more than we needed. I don't know. Larry Summers says a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, he does. Also, he's not my best friend. He's like my number three best friend. All right. Well, I mean, I mean that's enough room for you and me to fit in there. So it yeah, that's right. checks out. <laughs> yeah, he's my favorite friend with whom I don't have a podcast or a D and D group. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so the big the the the, the headline is you know fourteen hundred dollar checks for everybody, um, which I appreciate because I like money. I certainly don't mind money. I am you know more concerned about the three thousand dollar checks that are being given to little brats. But yeah, those are good too. Yeah, well, you those, as a brat good, Yeah, I'm uh, very in favor of that now that I, yes, have one of those little brats. Um, it's uh, unemployment is going to keep happening, so that's good. That was about to stop happening. Uh, unemployment uh, insurance. A couple of days ago. Yeah, unemployment insurance. Now, the unemployment's going to keep happening too, but that's uh, that's bad. Yeah. I thought you hated the economy, liberal. What? I, I thought you opinion. hated the economy. I mean, I heard what you said. It just uh, who hates sense. the economy? You, because you're a communist, by which I mean liberal, by which I mean moderate progressive. <laughs> <laughs> David, I feel like you get more radical every episode. That is <laughs> the bit that I'm going for, yes. Uh, but no, I love the economy. Um, but you know, I also love redistribution and that's what most of this bill is. Um, you, you brought up the, uh, the childcare allowance, uh, which is pretty crazy that they stuck that in there cause it's basically, it's a basic income for parents. Yeah. It's also pretty crazy that they stuck that in there because... It's a lot of money going to the middle class. It's almost like when I said in the recent episode of the Bayesian Conspiracy, I might not have actually said this because we might not have gotten to it, I'm not sure, uh, that the government mostly serves the interests of the upper class and the middle class and doesn't actually do that much for the poor. But this is going to the poor. I mean, slightly. I mean, it was specifically reworked so that the poor could participate because we already had a child tax credit. But if you didn't make it, if you didn't actually pay enough taxes, um, then it didn't help you. The way they structured it here is that it's refundable. So even if you don't pay enough taxes, you get it anyway. Um, Yes. And everybody's getting it, uh, I think, in the form of a check from the government, which is new. That is, in fact, new. 
Um, I think this is great because it's the government giving people money and not telling them what to do with it, which is pretty much really one of the only things I want the government to do. It is definitely better than the alternative, all jokes aside. Yeah. I like that part of it. I dislike the whole conditional upon you breeding part of it. And the more you breed, the more you get. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not enough money to incentivize people to have kids, but I still, I don't like that part. Is it just because you uh, don't want to have kids? In large part, it is that, yes. And also (laughs) because I do not want to subsidize other people having kids. It's not not just that I don't want to have kids, it's that I don't want to pay other people to have kids. Ah, so I see that you're opposed to internalizing externalities, sir. (laughs) I... Is it a positive externality for other people to have children? Yes, it is actually. That that that's a pretty um, that's like a moderately well established conclusion of uh, population economics. Oh, well, maybe I. Or we be could just have more that. immigration. That would work too. I guess we do need to keep this whole stupid human race thing going, huh? If there's no future generations, who will be there to unfreeze me in the future? You're right. We should give them money. <laughs> Although I mean, I mean, my beef with this is that we're debt financing it, so we're well, giving we parents who have children money, so that we can later take that money from the children that they had, because that's what debt financing is. Yeah, but the magic of low interest rates is that when we go to pay it back, it'll actually be less in real dollars. So, fun fact, when you're borrowing everything forever, interest rates don't stay low. Because interest rates are not a fixed number, and it changes over time. Would you say it changes based on how much money you have borrowed? Yes. I mean, you could That's say that. That's what credit that scores are. That doesn't really seem to be the empirical facts on the ground. I I have I admit that the low interest rates have proven much more robust than I likely would have predicted in advance, but I also have an extremely strong prior here. So, yeah, I don't no, and I I I agree we'll probably see interest rates go up in the near future. But that's just because they're so low now that they they really can't stay this low. Yeah, they've already been rising steadily for a few months. Mhm. I know, I just went to refinance my house, and they're like, oh, uh, should have done, done it a month ago. Yeah. Hmm. Well, such is life. Um, but yeah, we got that. Um, uh, they, fi- they finally got the uh, aid to state and local governments in there that everyone kind of like grumbled about needing, but nobody really wanted to do. Um, we- because... You know, I, I wanted real quick the argument that I've heard, which I do not fully understand because I just heard a real brief summary of it. I didn't read about it in depth. Is that uh, the more debt an economy has, the slower the long-term growth is. So having more than a certain amount of debt is really bad unless you absolutely need it. Is is this other people's understanding of having lots of debt? Because the slower our growth uh, rate is, the longer it'll take us to get to the point where we hit, you know, singularity, extropia, fixing aging and shit. Uh. Technically, it's the deficit to GDP ratio. Um, so, like the U.S. can um, can borrow a lot more than, say, Greece because we have a much higher GDP. Uh, 
and the exact nature of the relationship is still somewhat controversial, but at a first approximation, yes. Now, how does that work? Why does large amount? Why do large amounts of debt result in slower growth? Uh, we're not sure, and that's why I'm much huh. more tentative about oh, that. Oh, so it's than... just it's just a pattern that people have noticed. Yeah. Yeah, oh, and that's why I'm much more tentative about that than I am about the uh, uh, the more you borrow, the higher your interest rates go uh, claim, because that's just supply and demand. Um, yeah, I usually hear that the big worry about ha- having lots of debt is that it leads to inflation. So that those two are related, but they're not related in a way that I can relate without um without uh taking time to go through several um inferential steps so if you want me to do that i can but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pass for I, now i'm probably we'll not in a super fantastic headspace to do that right now <laughs> it would actually probably be really funny uh, trying to listen to me explain the new t- the nuanced details of uh, monetarist economics right now, but it wouldn't be super coherent. So mm. up to you guys. If by funny you mean my personal hell, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, let's just move on. Um, okay. What else? What else is in this monstrosity? Money for vaccinations, which is good. Yes. Um, it probably all should have been for vaccinations. Yeah. Uh, and it should have been nine months ago. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, money to reopen schools, whatever that means. What, hey, what does uh, that hey government, mean? you know how know. you reopen schools? Yeah, you, you just open them, right? You tell the teachers to get back to work. You know, like all the private school teachers are doing. Maybe they got to pay a lot of money to remove the locks from the doors or something. I mean... I mean, no, they do, because the teachers' unions put those locks there, specifically. I would guess that the money's for, like, for, like, ventilation systems or something. Because I saw the, uh, I saw the Philly school, like, hooking up window fans. (laughs) Be like, ah, this will protect us. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's, on the one hand, that's, like, not... A great use of money, but on the other hand, schools are so terribly ventilated that I'll take anything that makes our child prisons moderately less hellish. So, fine, I guess. Much better use of money is just to jab every single kid in the arm with a vaccine as they walk into school their first time. Uh, even better use of money would be to close the child prisons. Well, yeah, but we're opening both the ones on the border and the ones in the heartland. Wait, you want to close all the child prisons? Yes, because I think that having kids in cages is morally bad. But what if they're forced to learn things in the cages? Uh, A, I would still think it's bad, although less bad. But B, I don't need to worry about that because they don't. (laughs) <laughs> well, all right then. Can't argue with that. I think sometimes they do learn some things. Just I mean, it was the question's been asked, okay. is our children learning? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the answer is no. Can confirm. Uh, all right, anyone have anything no. else to say about the American Rescue Plan? 
Yeah, $62 billion for pensions. I just want to say, that's a small number relative to the other numbers. But also, um, stop giving money to old people. They're really rich. Well, they'll be less rich if you, you know. But the pensions are are pre-existing obligations. Like, if you don't pay the pension, you're in breach of contract. I... Are these government pensions? Don't... I know what so. exactly this plan is, but I'm pretty sure it's an expansion of an existing program that uh, they did not need to expand. But I'll look into that and get back to the dear oh. listeners. Yeah, my, no, my assumption is that this is to pay pensions that are already in pay status, and that the oh wait, hang on, is that out of money. is that that like uh, contractors union thing? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, so I think that is a, um... So I do think that if that's what I'm thinking of, then it is a pre-existing, uh, commitment. But it's also for for a trust fund that's been insolvent for years and is definitely not COVID-related. Oh, yeah, that's every every public pension fund in the entire country. They're all insolvent, and they they really should just make pensions make public pensions illegal uh, because they're just these giant liabilities that are never funded properly. And when they do fund them, the next guy just comes in and raids the pension fund to pay for other stuff. Um, So it's really a lot of, a lot of public employees are moving away from it or employers, I should say, Uh, but not all of them. And they really all should. Nobody should, should ever issue a pension again. It feels kind of sneaky that they put this in here. Like, did they put military spending in here too, or something? Because oh, I mean, they put all kinds of shit in here. Well, they they yeah, put seventeen like, billion. Yeah. They put seventeen billion dollars for veterans, according to this <laughs> uh, lovely pie chart on our outline. And money is fungible, and I'm pretty sure the VA is funded from the DoD budget. So yes, even if they. Even if not, then that's just an accounting fantasy. Yeah, it feels a lot like just funding the things that you wanted <laughs> and, to fund anyway and I, get COVID yeah. relief. And I would that's, be shocked. That's what they're doing. And I would be shocked if they didn't um, didn't uh, also have some money in here somewhere to buy some of those $1,000 combat face covering things that <laughs> the DOD managed to develop in only 11 months. And then congratulated themselves for doing it super quick. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I mean the child tax credit is is tangentially COVID related at best. This is just the thing they wanted to do, so they stuck it in the bill, and it's like twenty percent of the cost. Oh, I guess never let a good crisis go to waste. Yeah, it's, that's that's uh, the idea. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I would like our are things that people want to get done to be able to get done even when there isn't a massive emergency and then trying to exploit that massive emergency to actually do government. It just, it doesn't feel like a good way to do government. No, I mean, government by crisis is definitely not the ideal way to do things, but, you know, we have the system we have, which at normal times, nobody can do anything. Yeah. Uh, so it's not surprising to me at all that anything they wanted to get done this year was in this bill. Because this is this is the old this is it this is the only bill that's getting passed this year. Well, I hope it was a good one. <laughs> well, it gave me some money, so you know, 
That's that's more than almost any other bill does for me. All right. All right. Okay. So moving on. Here's so we there was a story last episode that we missed because it happened uh, right right before we were about to record. Um, and it's old news by now, but I just wanted to mention it anyway. Was that uh, Biden decided to bomb Syria for some reason? And, uh, you know, I don't know what the reason was. Nobody really knows. There was some kind of provocation somewhere. And so it was like, oh, we will show them. And, uh, you know, here we are. We're back to doing this. Friendly reminder that back to having a normal president has downsides as well as upsides. Yep. Yep. (laughs) All right. So that's pretty much all I had to say about that. Thanks for bumming us out, Wes. I wish we weren't doing it, uh, but we are. So that's uh, your normal Democratic neoliberal president. All right. Inyash, you had a story for us. Uh, Yeah. Two possible... Well, I think they're related stories. Uh, I saw that killings by police actually declined after Black Lives Matter protests, which I thought was, you know, that that was something. It means that these protests actually had some effect that was good because I'm... Not in favor of police killings. I'm anti in favor. What do you? What's the term for anti in favor? Against. Yes, thank you. <laughs> How did I lose that word? <laughs> Must, uh, I am against police killings. Because you're be old. De- Must be the dementia. Yeah. God damn it! It's setting in. Um. And, yeah. An Get this man a COVID vaccine. I. <laughs> yeah. That's the the long COVID affecting my brain. <laughs> in in backwards in time. Oh no! <laughs> I was just saying because you're old. Oh. I don't like you anymore, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, uh, study found... Best friends. <laughs> <laughs> study found that uh, the police killings in cities with uh, Black Lives protests did decline after the protest, which uh, that's that's good. I mean, there was the case made that this is not a very uh, effective in terms of effort per life saved thing or whatever, but... Yeah, you know, less killings is good. Uh, having people trust the police more is good. This is a thing that we should have. Um, I then, the next day, saw a counterpoint that said uh, investigations... This was a, a study about uh, internal investigations into police departments, which happen, you know, when there's some some hint of malfeasance in the police department. Uh, it said that for investigations, normal investigations that weren't uh, preceded by viral incidents like Black Lives Matter protests, uh, after an investigation, there was a statistically significant reduction in homicides and total crime in the area. So they had a net positive effect. But in contrast, investigations that were preceded by viral incidents like protests um, and, and... I don't think the protests count as viral incidents. No. I think yeah. what it's talking about is like the police violence getting filmed and that goes viral. Oh, okay, thank you. Yes, you're right. Now that I read it, I believe that is correct, yeah. Uh, When those investigations happened, uh, after a police filming of brutality, or a filming of police brutality and uh, it going big in the media, uh, that actually led to a large and statistically significant increase in homicides and total crime in the area. Uh, With the... With the insinuation, I don't think this was said directly, that um, this this is the result of police being like, okay, they don't want us here, and pulling back, and so... Yeah, it's the blue flu. Yeah, yeah. The police interact with the public less, and that reduces police killings, but it means that overall homicides and crime increase, which is net bad, I think. All in all, these two uh, studies together make me not... It, it Things don't look good. 
Yeah, so so by by this um by this uh these two studies the best case scenario is something is bad enough to uh, warrant an investigation but doesn't go viral uh the uh worst case scenario is something doesn't spark an investigation and then uh the uh one in between those two is something sparks an in- investigation and goes viral uh presumably if there's no investigation and it does go viral that would be the worst case scenario but that probably doesn't happen very often and it also wasn't studied, so we don't have data for that anyway. At yeah. least as far as I know. Maybe there is a study that I didn't see. But yeah, yeah I don't know. So, so it sounds like the protests help if they're not following a viral incident of deadly force. Yeah, why would you protest if there wasn't a viral incident, though? I mean, there were protests everywhere over the summer. Not just uh, where specific things happened. It's true. There were protests mm. here in Denver and nothing happened here. Right. And I, I would guess that, that a lot of that was what this study was looking for, looking at. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, it doesn't surprise me at all that, you know, if something goes viral, you get the blue flu effect, the police, you know, all call in sick or just stop doing their jobs, and then uh, more crimes happen. Um, sort of uh, a good counter-argument to the whole defund the police question, uh, considering that, you know, less, a- less active police force means more crime yeah but this does make the police look bad like i mean we weren't big fans of them in the first place but the fact that something like this happens and they you know just pick up their ball and say i'm going home and leave the community to fucking descend into into more crime it's a bad look for the police yeah i mean we all got to do our jobs under uh whatever circumstances are presented and the fact that that it is a demonstrable pattern that police don't is yeah a bad look yeah friendly reminder that the primary purpose of the police or a primary purpose of the police is to prevent any alternatives to the police from arising because that is called treason by the bootlickers and so we should get rid of the police if for no other reason than so we can explore other market mechanisms for enforcing social agreements I almost said social contracts, but that's a bad phrase. I'm, I'm not <laughs> against the state having a monopoly on violence. All in all, I think it's a good idea, to be honest. I just wish there was a way to make the police better. Like, hire better people, pay them more, get rid of the fucking people that do join the police right now. Like, I want oh. more idealistic people and less of these thugs. So, uh, while you're down there on your knees, can you lick my boots, too? They could use a good shining. (laughs) David, you can eat my ass. (laughs) Buy me dinner first. Were you just making the point today that private security is a thing that exists? Yes. So, isn't private security the thing you want? And it already exists? Uh, yeah, but that doesn't count for reasons. Um, basically, <laughs> private, private, private security is, um, is proactive, but you can't have a reactive thing. So, like, having private security around prevents crimes, but once the crimes happen, you need to go to the, um, 
officially sanctioned authorities. I don't know. I think my boy Doug, the bounty hunter, would have something to say about that. <laughs> so, I- bounty hunters, like Dog, are just enforcing normal contracts. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that's what a bail bond agreement is. Um, for uh, more about this, take um, Alex Tabarrok's Empirical Law and Economics class, where he dedicates an entire lecture to uh, bail bond. Including the time that he got to ride along with some bounty hunters while they were hunting bounties. Alright, so so maybe we should save this for the part two when you come on the uh, Bayesian Conspiracy, but like, I, I still... I still am pretty strongly convinced that any place there isn't a monopoly on violence within a territory is going to reduce to a sort of warring mafia families type situation. And I think that is much worse than just having the police. That sounds like exactly the sort of thing we should say for part two of the Bayesian conspiracy <laughs> thing. Very well. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we had a crossover episode with the Bayesian conspiracy, which will be appearing on this feed uh, probably in a few days. Also, how the fuck are you subscribed to us and not the Bayesian Conspiracy? It happens. People but, get that sexy like, I, I, I am genuinely curious how our audience could possibly be anything but a strict subset of the Bayesian Conspiracy audience. Man, word spreads sometimes. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, our podcast is better, so... Whoa! Whoa, well, <laughs> mm, damn. Now, now well, I'm not sure which kid I like more. Damn it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well... Uh, well, both podcasts have Inyash on them, and as we recently agreed in the Bayesian Conspiracy Discord, which you should join if you're listening to this and you aren't already part of, that he is the most fuckable member of all the podcasts in this network. So, you know, I'm not willing to quibble over uh, details since they're both Inyash podcasts. I don't know how true that is, but I will take it. So tune in in two weeks for the next episode of the Enia Show. God damn it. Featuring Wes and David. <laughs> I, I don't like where this is going. Let us continue. <laughs> All right. Uh, next story is another one from you, Enia. Oh, God damn it. It is, isn't it? You just had to pivot to me again. Uh, so, yes, this is uh, bad news that came out about the COVID vaccine. Specifically, the AstraZeneca one uh, in Norway. Well, I think it's bad news about a bunch of dumbass countries. Not really news about the vaccine. Well, it's bad news about the implementation of the vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. So in Norway, there's some possibly maybe a link between AstraZeneca and blood clots in some sort of correlation, uh, based on everything that regulators and and people who've looked into this can 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 figure out there is no evidence that the shot is to blame for any sort of uh, blood clots. It it just is not causally related. But uh, that doesn't stop governments from saying, well, I would rather people die of COVID, which is a natural occurrence that we can't be blamed for, than die of a vaccine which we are paying for and giving to people. So Germany, France, Italy, and Spain have suspended the use of the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine because they'd rather have people die of COVID than die of blood clots, which... The trolley problem in action, exactly. folks. Exactly. Yep. Like, if we do something and someone dies, that's way worse than people just dying if we do nothing. And if we do something and people die, it will be much fewer people than if we do nothing and let people die. But we can't be held liable, so... it's Yeah, you're right. It's literally the trolley problem, and they are fucking mm-hmm. failing it. 
at, at some point, I'm going to hear some sort of idiot crowing about how the FDA protected us from the dangerous AstraZeneca vaccine, which caused blood clots. Oh, I'm sure it's already and there. And if that's not on the internet, or when I'm surrounded by friends who care about me and don't want me arrested for battery, that person is going to lose teeth. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I looked into this briefly, and yeah, it seems like really speculative that any of this is being caused by the vaccine. Um, but even if it was, take the vaccine. COVID is going to kill way more people than this, like, one in a million blood clot. Right. I mean, some... Vaccines can have complications. We have a fund yeah. in America to uh, to reimburse people who are injured by childhood vaccines because it does vanishing rarely happen. And uh, we've decided as a society that we should help the people that it does hurt because the overall benefit to society is so much greater that everyone is better off, including the people, you know, especially the people who take the vaccine, uh, that it's worth that small risk. And this is just another case of that. And yet... They're fucking. I don't know. I just. Mm. Also, David, how quickly do you resort to violence when your friends say something you don't like? <laughs> uh, no, the fr- the friends in this scenario are one of the ways I would end up not resorting to violence because they physically restrain me. How quickly um, do you resort to violence when a stranger says something you don't like? This seems extreme. No, not very. But remember, I am mentally and physically exhausted right now, so probably talking a bigger game than I would actually have, uh, okay. have if I you don't say um, were actually in that situation. Well, I for one took that comment completely literally. I don't know about anyone else. I just yeah. I, I figured it probably wasn't literal, but still. Well, bottom line, the AstraZeneca vaccine is fine. We should approve it uh, everywhere, but especially in America because we have like a hundreds of thousands of doses sitting in a factory in Baltimore that are just not being used for anything. Yep. Oh, oh, can I tell about the bright side of all this? Oh, please do. The UK has refused to buckle under and just be one of the sheep. They are still giving out the AstraZeneca vaccine and uh, they are making, in my opinion, the other people look really bad because when everyone closes ranks and refuses to pull the, the throw the trolley lever, then, well, you can't blame them, but when one person stands up and is courageous and shows how many more lives you can save, it, it really throws into stark relief how uh, shitty and cowardly those other people are, and I, I am really proud of the UK here for doing hey, this. Hey, Boris! Way yeah. to be that Emperor's New Clothes Con- kid. Continuing yeah. the awkward history of the Mind Killers podcast for being really long on Boris Johnson. <laughs> right? Who would have guessed? Um, oh, one other thing I wanted to mention is I think this was a Marginal Revolution uh, comment suggesting that, look, if we're not going to use all that AstraZeneca vaccine we have, we could at least give it to the third world because oh. they need it. That's a good point. Yeah, we are very privileged to be in like a rich country where we just buy all the vaccine we want. There's countries out there yeah. where they can't get it despite how many people are dying. And if and if they're seriously going to wait like four months to approve it, then we're not going to need it by then. Yeah. And we have it now, so so give it to the people that want it. All right. I come from Eastern Europe. Give it to the Eastern European countries. They're very poor. No, don't give it to them. Give give it to the Africans. Well, give it to anyone, really. And anyone yeah, at right, all is right. better than no one. Give it to one. somebody. Yeah. Give it to the kids. Just put it in somebody's arm as quickly as possible. Yep. All right. All right. 
moving on from that. Um, <laughs> I just have on my outline here, the queen is a racist. <laughs> uh, apparently, the British royal family, quite racist. What happened? Um, that is the entire story. Uh, next story. Wait, wait, wait. You can't just <laughs> <laughs> explain the racism. No, I don't want to because I, I didn't really want to cover this story, but it was kind of a slow news week. Um, Meghan Markle said the queen is racist and was like worried that her baby was going to have dark skin or something. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing because Meghan Markle is white. Yeah, I know. It, does, it, it didn't make any sense. Also, like abstracting away from the fact that this is the matriarch of the House of Windsor. Since when is <laughs> British woman born in the late 1930s, upper class British woman born in the late 1930s isn't super woke news? <laughs> yeah. Um, but apparently this, the people were very, very, got very excited about this. Hmm. Was that what the whole Oprah memes I'm seeing is about? I uh, don't think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think they were. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. The, the, the former. Uh, prince and princess got interviewed by Oprah. Oh, apologies. Uh, Mid 1920s, not oh, uh, well. 30s. She's almost a hundred. Yes, that's she's impressive. 94 years old. So, uh, so here's here's what actually I was asking the other day. When she dies, Great Britain is going to have a king again. I yep. guess so. How the, how 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 are they even going to deal with that? How do you have a king? What, what do you mean? How do you have a king? The same way you have a queen, just with a penis. But like, I know it's just how how do you how do you have national pride when you're ruled over by a king? <laughs> he he does have a point. You yeah. do at least get woke points if you have a queen. <laughs> well, maybe he can be come out as gay or something. I don't know. Also, the Queen's full name is Elizabeth Alexandra Mary Windsor. That's uh, some very British names. <laughs> yes. I mostly bring that up because Alexandra is a very pretty name, and if I have daughters, then I will probably have a little Alex Spearman running around. Well, perish the thought. Uh, <laughs> other racist news. Uh, apparently, Dr. Seuss was cancelled. I, uh, for having some racist drawings and uh, poetry. I don't. I don't think he was canceled. Like I don't think that's the correct term. The. Uh, it seems to me that people tried to make it out like he was canceled. I don't know. There was so uh, six of his books had some rather racially insensitive racist. drawings. Yeah, they were racist. They were. I guess they're. They yeah. were racist drawings. Let's uh. Let's not. Let's not mince words. Yeah, they, I looked at them. They're pretty racist. They were racist in a way that was, I guess, okay in the '60s when he drew them, but uh, mm-hmm. really shouldn't have been even then. Uh, and so the publisher stopped um, publishing those books, which is not a cancellation. Books stop being published all the time. Uh, but they also yeah. like put out a press release to say they were stopped publishing the books, which is a weird thing. Normally, publishers don't do that, and uh, that started. I'm, I'm sure that was just a marketing thing, and it worked very, very well for them. Because it yeah, got really Dr. Seuss in the news like crazy, and the prices of those shot up, but you know, only on the second, the reselling market. So it's not like they made money. They did get the press though. Well, they are making money because the value because they're now selling his other books. Yes, for like jacked up prices. But no, the real shitty part of this story is that once they announced 
that they were not publishing them, a bunch of people like went to these secondary markets to try to to buy them because they were like, oh well, I like those books and I want to make sure I get them before they're before they're all gone. Um, and eBay and Amazon both prohibited the sale. What the fuck? Uh, seriously? Yeah. So that's the cancellation. That's like, fucking stupid. The the Sousa state was fine. Like, yeah, you, maybe you don't want to publish your racist books. I get it. Um, uh, but but eBay and Amazon just saying like, ah, no, no one's allowed to buy these now. Like, that's fucked up. That is. Yeah. You know what else is fucked up? Apparently. Racism. Well, yes, racism. But apparently senators <laughs> like went on the floor and started reading Dr. Seuss books, which weren't even the ones that got uh, that got pulled. Uh, because I don't, I don't even know why. I guess they were taking a courageous moral stand or something. Did that actually happen, or are you talking about when Ted Cruz did that like years ago? And that didn't it just happen earlier this week? I I didn't see it. I know Ted Cruz did like some stupid filibuster where he read Green Eggs and Ham, but like years ago. Ooh. It does definitely sound like something Theodore would do. Um, I I think we can agree as a show that if something did happen, then Theodore was at fault. <laughs> you know, now that you mention it, maybe I am retrofilling my memory of that with this. I yeah, because I saw people mention it recently when they were like, "Wow, now uh, now you can't do that anymore," or something. I don't know. People making dumb jokes. Ah, okay. But the point is, Ted Cruz sucks, and let's all laugh at him. I hear, hear. Truer <laughs> words have never been spoken. <laughs> all right, and with that, we're moving into happy news. Yay! Um, we're going to start, this is, I think this is our first episode where we actually put the COVID news in the happy news section. Excellent. We, no, we did which, it in time. fairness, that was mostly just to pad out the happy news section, which otherwise would have looked rather limp. <laughs> that's true. But anyway, that's what happened. Um, and we did it because the COVID news is mostly good. Yay. Um, uh, uh, cases are down, deaths are down. Um, this is, you know, for the past four weeks or so it's all been trending in the right direction um so where we're at right now is we're just uh in a race to get everyone vaccinated before the uh, new strains come and fuck everything up oh yeah um i mean the strains are here it's just a question of how fast they're spreading um right now the race is really against the british variant um so you know we could see another spike is that the variant that makes you racist um (laughs) No, it's the variant that could have been prevented by the AstraZeneca vaccine, oh, but uh, wasn't. <laughs> Just kidding. That's all of them. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The, so, you know, uh, uh, the British variant, it's spreading. It's spreading faster than the old variants, but it's also running up against vaccinations. So it's really a toss up as to uh, who's going to win the race there. Uh, we may see another spike. We may not. Um, but right now. Uh, all the numbers are going in the right direction. Fantastic. Um, the so the other strains are still are still worrisome, um, especially the South Africa strain. Uh, but the there is you know some more evidence has come out that the vaccines are not as effective against that strain, but are still effective. Um, so it sounds like if we can get everyone vaccinated. Um, then that strain won't be a problem, but uh, we're probably not going to be able to do that because people are crazy. I'm really looking forward to things being opened up again in late summer or early yeah. fall because I think we can do it at this point. Ineash, yeah. 
I know you just want to go dancing. I do. And and to other <laughs> social events I used to go to, but I think we can do this, man. The vaccines are going to be available to everyone in a couple months. Well, you know, Uncle Joe says July 4th. Boom. We can be we can be back to normal by July 4th. I like it. Which I am very excited about because I have a tradition of going out in uh, my mom's boat and watching the fireworks over the river. Uh, and we didn't get to do it last summer and sucked, even though it was all outdoors and it would have been fine. Yeah, I think you could do that so, this uh, summer if you wanted. Yeah, I think I think they'll probably have the uh, fireworks because that's what uh, you know that's that's what what Uncle Joe said. So we have to. Yeah. Um, and even the CDC is slightly better. Is not just the absolute worst shitty organization. Uh, I mean, they still are. But they offered some uh, advice that is much better than the advice that they were offering, um, which is basically like, hey, if you're two people are vaccinated, they can hang out without masks. It's fine. <laughs> did, did we need the CDC to tell us that? No, but it's good that they did anyway. Okay, that's true. Because previously they were like, nobody knows. Just do the same. Th- just social distance and mask all the time with everyone forever. Um, they also said, you know, if you're vaccinated you can hang out unmasked with people that are not in high risk groups even if they're not vaccinated uh so you know grandmas can hug their grandchildren if uh the if grandma's vaccinated what about granddad nobody cares about granddad Uh, he's probably already dead and if he's not then he's probably racist (laughs) (laughs) why are you marrying people from the uk grandma (laughs) Uh, well, speaking of dead grandpas, that brings us to Andrew Cuomo. Yay! (laughs) David, did you want to introduce this story? Yeah, so, uh, you know how we said that, I think last episode, that Andrew Cuomo was, um, uh, being accused of workplace sexual harassment and also murdering a bunch of people, and for some reason... The one of those that you would think would be the big story is the small story. Uh, well, that situation has not changed. Like I said, slow news week and especially slow for happy news. But uh, the um, accusations have kept on coming and they uh, are staying like fairly grounded and not like looking like it's just a pile on. Uh, so I'm comfortable calling this, yeah, Cuomo probably did it, and, like, I I don't want to say definitely, because, like, we don't want to get too out of hand, but, yeah, he he probably definitely was inappropriately <laughs> touching some co-workers. Definitely, probably. Uh, no, I, ha- I, ha- I have no opinion on whether he was, uh committing sexual harassment or not just because i haven't looked into the allegations at all um you know i'm generally in favor of withholding judgment on that sort of thing uh until you know you can actually determine what the facts are um but in the case of cuomo uh you know whatever gets him out because he should really be pushed out for all the old people he killed can i uh, just file a complaint that this made it into the happy news no no complaint denied oh damn okay <laughs> never mind I <laughs> know uh, the happy part is that all of these uh basically all of Cuomo's colleagues are now calling on him to resign. Yeah. So he might actually do it. 
Yep, I I would much prefer he actually like get um uh get ousted through official channels rather than just taking the coward's way out, but I'll take what I can get. Yeah, and I'll have more to say about this in my troop deployment. Does this mean that the only way we can get rid of people who murder people as part of their public duties is by finding a way to accuse them of sexual harassment? That seems to be the situation. Should we, in that case, only elect people who have sexually harassed others so that if we need to get rid of them, we can? That hey, good seems news. to be the we situation. Did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I like these perverse incentives we've lined up. But, but you know, it's happy news. <laughs> All right, Eniage, tell us your real happy news. Okay, in actual things that are happy, uh, the Californ- there was a California town that did sort of a mini UBI study. And I say sort of a mini UBI study because while it was a basic income that was given uh, consistently every month of $500 to, to the people in the study, it was only to 125 people in the town. So it wasn't universal in any way. Uh, however, they did do this sort of uh, mini UBI study uh, where for every month for two years, these people got $500. They were all living at or below the city's medium, median household income. And uh, as a result of this, the ones that were given the UBI had an, uh, acquired full-time jobs at a rate of 200% greater than control group who did not get that income, uh, which is, you know, really good sign. Um, huh. Yeah. The they, the study did point out that the increase in getting jobs was less than what is seen on traditional unemployment benefits. So I guess the control group didn't get the UBI and didn't get traditional unemployment benefits. That seems I mean, bad. Unemployment generally runs out after six months in non-COVID times. So uh, okay, so it probably would have been easy enough to find a control group that wasn't receiving it. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the the traditional unemployment benefits were more motivating to get people to work. I'm not entirely sure that we want to um, <laughs> that we want to decide how good these UBI programs are based on whether they get people to find work or not. Because isn't kind of the whole point to eventually no one has to work if they don't want to? Um, that's not the entire point. <laughs> yeah, that's not really the near-term goal of UBI. The near-term goal is to prevent people from starving and dying of exposure? Yeah. Okay. Or just prevent people from living in poverty. Yes. I don't think UBI would do that. Like, even UBI would keep you in poverty right now, just not dead poverty. Uh, are we talking relative or absolute poverty? We're talking relative, because yes, I know $1,000 a month is a huge amount of money compared to many places in the world. Okay, well, who gives a shit about relative poverty? Not me. Uh, apparently <laughs> most of the U.S. electorate. Well, fuck them. <laughs> if you could fuck all of them, then maybe they'd be okay accepting your position, but uh, it's a lot of fucking to do, David. I see you haven't met me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, the phrase, the phrase heckin' gigachad has recently been applied. Nice. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I, no, I see this as good news. Um, and it's not super surprising to me. I don't think $500 a month is really going to be enough for anyone to say, oh, well, now I don't have to work. Yeah. Um, but it is enough to, you know, finance a job search. Yeah. Um, you know, and things like having a home so you can take showers and shave and look presentable, buying suits, buy like maybe maybe enough for a car to get you to uh 
a job. Yeah, I can push you out of a local minima. Which, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of people in poverty. That's that's one of the big impediments. Yeah. Uh, at least one person in the study was someone who was working a shit-ass dead-end job and just stopped doing that and finally got the real estate license that he'd been, you know, signed up to do mm -hmm. but just couldn't find the time to do it with the whole, you know, paying for his rent and food thing and uh, was able to move into that career afterwards and was making a lot more money, so it helped him quite a bit. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of research out there on, on the, the costs of being poor. Yeah. And the sort of extra costs you run into when you don't have all the things that, you know, a middle class income gets you. Um, and it sort of keeps people trapped in poverty. Um, and I think the, uh, an amount like $500 a month is probably enough to mitigate a lot of those things while not having any serious um, deterrent effect on actually wanting a job. Right. Because you don't lose it if you get your job. Right. Yeah, this is this is a win I think for UBI overall, and we should be pushing it to sort of the study into more uh, into more public awareness. I agree, and I'm broadly skeptical of UBI, so definitely not any confirmation bias going on there. I'm. It sounded like I was being sarcastic or ironic there. <laughs> I wasn't. It did sound like that. Aha! <laughs> uh -huh. All right. Well, that brings us to troop deployments. As we all know, uh, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield each episode. And this week, we will start with David. Yeah, so um, I closed my notes and don't remember what my troop deployment was because, as mentioned, I am not firing on all cylinders today. So let me just pull those up. Oh, yeah, it's the annoying thing. Uh, Wes, <laughs> leave all that in. Uh, I, I wouldn't dream of taking it out. Okay, so uh, Biden recently gave a speech as like a victory lap for getting his massive money bill passed and during this speech he said a lot of silly things as biden is wont to do but perhaps the silliest was something to the effect of uh government is what happens when we all do things together which is a variation on the worst line government is the word for the things we all do together this is the worst line because the government is not the things we all do together. Unless you're asserting that, that we all murdered George Floyd together. Or we all banned safe vaccines during a pandemic together. There is a word for when a bunch of people with the same general goal get together to do a thing. That's called a corporation, not a government. And if you're in favor of people doing things together voluntarily, that doesn't make you someone who supports the government. It makes you someone who supports private corporations. So make up your damn minds, people. Are you in favor of people doing things together? Or are you in favor of people doing things by force at gunpoint? Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Thank you, David. Inyash. Uh I have a TED Talk as well. Uh, not as... 
I don't know if it's as important as David's, but it is one that is dear to my heart. Uh, I live in a valley, and I love my valley. It is beautiful. I would never, ever move. That's not true, but I really like it here. It has a little stream running through and everything. And when Christmas comes around, I cannot go outside because it, this everyone, everyone in the world who is within breathing distance of me is burning something in their fireplace and all that smoke settles down into this valley and it makes it toxic outside and i really hate that and actually this happens fairly frequently not super frequently but it happens in the winter and the fall uh that it just kind of gets choked up a little bit on certain really cold uh days with the smoke because people think uh wood fires are romantic and beautiful and all that and i don't know maybe they are romantic and beautiful people used to think that uh people smoking cigarettes was really romantic kind of kind of beautiful to look at all the cool guys did it uh but burning wood in your house is as bad as smoking a cigarette it is uh the dirtiest fuel source aside from maybe burning dung uh there's a reason humanity has moved on to better cleaner fuels it's not a thing anyone should be doing it pollutes the air around you it actually pollutes the the air in your own house even uh if you close the the shutters and for near a fireplace, kids that live in fireplace-burning homes or wood-burning homes uh, have a greater incidence of asthma and bronchitis. Uh, adults in those homes are have general higher mortality in all factors. It's a very bad thing to do. Uh, the particulates are, are awful. And, of course, then you're destroying the environment around your house for everyone else who near, lives nearby you. So uh, stop doing it. We're not fucking cavemen anymore. We have better options that do not kill us. So... Yeah, I've had fireplaces for at least the last 10 years of my life, and I have not once used them because they're bad for everyone. All right. Thank you, Eniash, for your literal embodiment of the old man yells at cloud meme. <laughs> it's, it's a cloud of smoke that shouldn't be up there anymore. Also, I recommend you speak for yourself about who is and isn't fucking cavemen. You don't know anything about my sex life, <laughs> sir. I guess you do have the entire population of the U.S. to get through. All right. Well, my trip deployment this week is about New York. And specifically, it's about how New York needs to get over its daddy issues. As we covered in Happy News, Andrew Cuomo is in trouble. And many of his colleagues are calling for his resignation over sexual harassment allegations. Conspicuously, very few of these colleagues were making similar calls when it came out that not only had Cuomo forced nursing homes to take in contagious COVID victims, but also covered up how many deaths resulted from that decision. There was nary a peep when Cuomo decided it was bad news that the Pfizer vaccine worked or threatened to jail anyone who got the vaccine when it wasn't technically their turn. The reason, of course, is that when Cuomo did those other things, he was popular. Very popular. Last March, his approval rating shot up from 44% to be at almost 70% by April 1st. That's a 35% jump in about two weeks. And what was the heroic thing he did in those two weeks? He ordered a lockdown, just like pretty much every other blue state governor. So why such a popularity spike? It's because New York has daddy issues, and its favorite thing is a strong, tough, reassuring, middle-aged man telling them that everything's going to be all right. New Yorkers couldn't get enough of it. By April, hundreds of them were taking to social media to declare themselves Cuomo-sexuals. Cuomo's popularity shot up to peak at 73%, and stayed around 65% until recently, despite all of the bullshit that we've extensively covered here. And it's still higher than his pre-pandemic rating. 
If this is all sounding somewhat familiar, it's because the same thing happened 20 years ago concerning one Rudolph William Louis Giuliani. In modern America, we know Giuliani as the clownish Trump toady whose brain leaks down his face and who thinks <laughs> The Four Seasons is a landscaping company in North Philly. But in 2001, Rudy was America's mayor. He was named Times Person of the Year, and he was given a fucking knighthood by the Queen of England. What? And why? Because he walked around Ground Zero after 9-11 wearing a hard hat. Because he was a strong, tough, reassuring, middle-aged man telling New Yorkers that everything was going to be all right. And for some reason, whenever New York loves someone, everyone else does too. So New York, get your shit together. Politicians are not your father. Stop falling in love with them just because they're doing the bare minimum of not panicking after a disaster. They will always disappoint you, but in the meantime, you're disappointing me. So New York, get some therapy or something. And the rest of us, can we stop taking New York's lead now? Next time New York falls in love with one of their shitty mayors or governors, can we remember the last boyfriend they brought home and just ignore them? It will work out better for everyone. Uh Huh. I just want to say, here, here, unless said mayor they're falling in love with is Andrew Yang, because <laughs> if you have daddy issues like for Yang. an Asian who's good at math, then that's much better than the alternative. So, Wes, <laughs> right, right yeah. now, I, I am a middle-aged man, uh, arguably strong, tough, and reassuring. Are you telling me all I have to do is start telling everyone that everything's going to be all right and I will become much more popular? Well, you have to go to New York. Mm, people in New York listen to this podcast, right? Eniash, nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He's got you there. All right. Still, I think... This isn't the Bayesian conspiracy. <laughs> I think maybe I'm going to start reassuring listeners. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, you uh, our imaginary listeners. Um, please uh, follow us. Uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, please leave us reviews, even if you love us or hate us. All reviews welcome. And uh, we'll be back again in two weeks. Um, in a few days, like I said, we'll have the uh, Bayesian Conspiracy crossover episode up on the feed. And then in two weeks, we'll be back here. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye. Bye.